0: Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. We are in 2 Kings chapter 18, and here we are going to be introduced to King Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah is one of the more famous kings of Judah, and more importantly, one of the more godly kings of Judah. And we're just going to sort of begin to dip into his story. His story takes up three chapters here in 2 Kings, so compared to some of the other kings, he gets quite a lengthy treatment. And what we're gonna do in this session is just look at the first 12 verses of 2 Kings 18 to see what it was that made Hezekiah a good and godly king. So let's begin verse one of 2 Kings chapter 18. It says, in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. So let's pause there. We're gonna come back later to the fact that Hezekiah was king at the same time as Hosea was king of israel and so hezekiah lived through the exile of the nation of israel hezekiah is king over judah hoshea was king over israel israel was taken into exile during hezekiah's reign we're also later not in this session but when we get to chapter 19 lord willing we'll also see that hezekiah was a contemporary of isaiah that is the prophet isaiah was alive and prophesying during the reign of king hezekiah but uh, for now what we want to notice is in verse 3 that we're told that hezekiah did what was right In the eyes of the Lord. In other words, the way that Hezekiah conducted himself as king was pleasing to the Lord. Hezekiah did the things that God wanted the kings over his people to do. It goes on to say in verse 3 that he did according to all that David, his father, had done. Remember, David is sort of the gold standard of the kings of Israel uh, and Judah, right? David ruled over both. They were divided uh, after David's son Solomon's reign. But the first king was Saul. He was a failed king. God rejected him as king. David, of course, was a man after God's own heart. David was the one God made a covenant with, that from David's line would come the Messiah, which had been promised since the beginning of the book of Genesis, all the way back in chapter 3, that God would send a child into the world who would uh, defeat our enemy, right? And that promise continued to grow and uh, become more and more specific as it passed through Abraham and and so on, and through David. David was promised that a son from his own line would reign on his throne over the kingdom forever. And so uh, David received that promise and David was a godly king. Now David, of course, was not a perfect king. David sinned in some spectacular ways. The Bible does not flinch about those. It tells us quite plainly the times that um, David sinned against the Lord. They probably weren't the only ones, right? But these were the big ones. And uh, so to say that he was like David does not mean that he was perfect. What was it about David that made him such a good king? David loved the Lord. Uh, The Bible tells us David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, One of the things that's been pointed out about David that makes him different than some of the other kings is that uh, all the kings sinned, but David, when he sinned and was convicted, he repented uh, in his most infamous sin with Bathsheba uh, when Nathan the prophet called David out on his sin and said, you are the man. David was cut to the heart. He wrote uh, Psalm 51 about that experience where he cries out to God for forgiveness and cleansing for his sin. Uh, So David uh, was not a perfect man, but he was a man who loved God, and when he sinned and turned away from God, he would turn back to God and ask God for forgiveness and mercy and pardon. And David sought to worship and honor the Lord. He sought to do things according to God's word, according to God's will. So Hezekiah was that kind of king. He was the kind of king who aimed to do the things that God commanded his kings to do and his people in general to do in his word. That's the kind of king that Hezekiah was. So here's what that meant practically. Verse 4, he removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. Okay, there's a lot going on in that verse. Hezekiah is practically carrying out the things that he knows God wants done. Because these are things God has spoken clearly about in his word. First of all... Hezekiah removes the high places. Remember, these are places where at best people are worshiping God when they should be worshiping God in the temple because that's where God told them to worship, or at worst they're worshiping false gods, idols on these high places. Either way, it's not good. God told his people all the way back in Deuteronomy that he wanted them to worship in the one place that he would set apart and that place is Jerusalem that's where the temple is that Solomon built and so that's where they're supposed to be worshiping not on these high places so Hezekiah gets rid of them Hezekiah also removes idolatry this is the one of the things that has been persistent in the nation of Israel and was the reason for their exile but has also plagued judah judah has not been exempt from idolatry and hezekiah here meets it head-on where it says that he broke the pillars and cut down the asherah the asherah uh, was a part of idolatrous uh, worship it says he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that moses had made back in the book of numbers when one of the judgments that god brought on his people was these fiery serpents that came and would bite the people and God told Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and if people would look to it, they would be healed of their bites from the serpent. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3 that this is what had to happen to Jesus, like the bronze serpent was lifted up and people could look to it and be healed in the same way Jesus had to be lifted up on the cross so that all who looked to him in faith would be saved. But what happened with that good thing that God commanded Moses to make, that bronze serpent, is the people turned it into an idol. They worshiped it, they made sacrifices to it, they treated it like a god, and so Hezekiah destroyed it. This kind of thing can happen. Good things can be turned into idols when they are put in the place of God or treated as though they are God. doesn't mean the thing itself is bad. God's the one who told Moses to make the serpent. But we often uh, corrupt things that are good things in themselves, but we corrupt them by making them into idols, by putting them in the place of God. We distort them at at a minimum, right? Okay, so practically he deals with idolatry and unbiblical worship. Uh, What else is significant about Hezekiah? Well, Verse 5, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him." So what's so great about Hezekiah? Well, he trusts God. As simple as that is, that is essential. And not all the kings of Judah and Israel exhibited that faith in God. Hezekiah believed God. Hezekiah believed God's word. Because Hezekiah believed God, he wanted to do what God said. He wanted his actions to reflect God's will, to be in accord with God's word. He trusted God, and it says... Uh, there was none like him among the kings before him or after him. Now, I think that it doesn't mean um, not even David was like him. I think I think that's the exception, right? That proves the rule. But it is saying the other kings uh, on either side of Hezekiah uh, don't compare to him. He was greater than them. There was none like him. Again, it's just he trusted the Lord. He trusted God. That was what was so significant about Hezekiah, And not only that, but verse 6 says, um, or, or excuse me, so it said he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him, right? But then it also adds to that for, so here's another reason that he was um, unlike those before and after him, for he held fast to the Lord. He held fast to the to the Lord his faith was not fleeting it was not temporary uh, as you look at the Bible you see occasions and we've seen it in 2nd Kings where uh, or 1st and 2nd Kings where you see a figure who uh, gets into trouble and they don't seem to care anything about God but then at some point something happens and they do turn to the Lord or they do seek the Lord or, or seek to listen to the Lord. And that's good. right We're not saying that's bad. We want people to turn to the Lord uh, even when they've been unfaithful and they find themselves in trouble. We want them to turn to God. But what's significant about Hezekiah is his faith in the Lord was not a momentary thing. It was a consistent and persistent thing that he continued to trust in God. This is the pattern of his life. He held fast to the Lord. And then it goes on in verse 6. It says, He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. Part of the way that Hezekiah shows us that he is Um, faithful to the Lord, that he's not turning away from the Lord, is he does what God says. He keeps God's commands. At this point, that means mainly listening to what God said to Moses. And so Hezekiah does that. Hezekiah acts on that. Hezekiah seeks to live in accord with God's commands. And then we're told one more thing that sets Hezekiah apart that actually, uh, in some sense, doesn't have anything to do with Hezekiah himself. Verse 7 says, And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. And then verse 8, He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Now, I say this doesn't have much to do with Hezekiah, um, but there is a connection between us uh, listening to God's word and trusting God's word And God uh, being with us, but I say that to emphasize, right, that this is about what God is doing for Hezekiah, not what Hezekiah is doing for God. Hezekiah is being faithful, yes, but above that, God is with Hezekiah. Right, the Lord is was with him. It says in verse seven. Uh, Wherever he went out, he prospered. Now, that language hopefully sounds at least a little bit familiar to you uh, because there are a couple other places we run into this, uh, at least a couple other places we run into this in the Bible. For example, in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, the story of Joseph. Joseph, uh, by this time, has been sold into slavery, and he is in Egypt. And Genesis, chapter 39, tells us, that God was with Joseph. How did he go from being sold as a slave um, and even ended up in jail, falsely accused at one point, to later being second in command in Egypt? Was Joseph just an incredibly great, gifted, charismatic uh, person? What was going on? Well, the text tells us God was with him. And it was because God was with him that he prospered and that things under His um, uh, stewardship prospered. So he was put in charge of the jail. He was put in charge of his master's property. Eventually, he was put in charge of the grain distribution and collection in Egypt that prevented people from starving during the famine. But what prospered under Joseph prospered not because Joseph was great, but because God was with Joseph. And God is great. Another passage that hopefully comes to mind when we hear this about the Lord being with him and everything, um, wherever he goes, he, he prospered, he succeeded, is what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Remember what God said to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may careful, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now that sounds like Hezekiah. Uh, he, he's being careful to do what God has said through Moses in the book of the law. Hezekiah is being the kind of leader that God called Joshua to be. And then here's what God says to Joshua. For then, right, if you meditate on the word and you're careful to do according to it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Right? So Hezekiah is doing what God told joshua to do so that he would prosper right he's listening to god listening to god's word and hezekiah is doing that and connected to that god is blessing him god is with him god is causing his way to prosper so again hezekiah does have some role in that right because he is giving attention to god's word but what's important here is that it's not ultimately hezekiah that's so great but God who is great. So what happens next in verse seven and eight, where he rebelled against the king of Assyria and uh, in in verse seven and then in verse eight, how he struck down the Philistines uh, and had victory over them. That's because God was with Hezekiah. It's not because Hezekiah was a great general or a great leader or a great king or whatever. It was because Hezekiah was a godly man who feared God, sought to honor God, listened to God, wanted to do what God said, And God was with him and blessed him and caused him to prosper. So it's important for us to remember that what God cares about most, not just for kings like Hezekiah in the Old Testament, but for all of us, it's not what gifts or talents or abilities we bring to the table, whether you're a, a, have, you have know, a charismatic personality or presence, or whether you are a gifted leader or teacher, or uh, whether you're really good at business and administration, or, or whatever it might be. That's not ultimately what God cares about. What He cares about is do we trust Him? Do we listen to Him? Do we seek to do what he tells us to do? Are we aiming to be faithful to him? That is what matters. That's what made Hezekiah great. Now next, we get sort of a a reminder of what happened in chapter 17. And so we might wonder why this next paragraph is here. This is where we're gonna stop this next paragraph. We might wonder why it's here, but I think it's here to provide a more poignant contrast between what happened under Hezekiah in Judah and what happened under Hosea in Israel so that we don't miss the lesson that we were supposed to get here. So verse 9 says, In the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, he took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, which was the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. So, what all that means is that Hezekiah, his reign overlapped with the reign of Hoshea, and specifically, it overlapped with the period of time where the Assyrians came to Assyria, or to me to Samaria, which was the capital of Israel. They besieged Samaria. They took it. And they took the people of Israel into exile. Hezekiah was reigning over Judah at the same time. And Judah and Israel, of course, are right next to each other. So why didn't the Assyrians also take Judah into exile? Why were they spared? Look at verse 11. The king of Assyria carried the Israelites away to Assyria and put them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. Okay, so continuing the exile there uh but then verse 12 because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God but transgressed his covenant even all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded they neither listened nor obeyed the reason they were carried off into exile is because they did not listen to God they did not obey God what have we just been told Hezekiah is doing Hezekiah is listening to God. Hezekiah is obeying God. Hezekiah is leading Israel in the way, excuse me, leading Judah in the way that Israel needed to be led, needed to be led, excuse me, but wasn't Israel's kings led Israel into idolatry and the Israelites went right along with it? Hezekiah as king of Judah says, get these high places out of here, get rid of these idols. We're gonna do what God says. We're gonna worship according to God's word. We're gonna seek to obey what God says. And that is what made the difference between Israel going into exile this time and Judah being allowed to remain in the land. Now, eventually Judah is gonna be taken into exile as well because Judah is not innocent. Judah has also been guilty of idolatry and uh they they will be taken into exile by the babylonians but the contrast here is really clear israel is taken into exile for their idolatry hezekiah is dealing with idolatry judah's not taken into exile what that reminds us of is this and this is true all over the bible there are two paths that we can take we can trust god or not we can obey god or not Those are the only two choices. And the consequences of those choices are significant. In fact, in the end, eternally significant. We are called upon to trust the Lord. And specifically now in the New Testament, we are called upon to trust in Jesus, God's son whom he sent into the world to save us for our sin, like we talked about earlier. In in the Old Testament, there were ways they could look forward to the coming of Christ to one who would come and take away their sin, like with the bronze serpent. But now Jesus has come. We're not looking forward to what God says he's going to do in the future in terms of sending a savior. He already has sent a savior and we look to him, to his death and resurrection, his perfect life of obedience. And we trust in him and seek to listen to his words and walk in his ways. And those are the people that god promises to bless it doesn't mean your life will be easy it doesn't mean you'll be rich or healthy or anything like that it just means god will take care of you god will provide for you god loves you right god loves the world that's why he gave his son and if you respond to that love by trusting in christ then nothing will ever be able to separate you from that love so paul says in romans 8 So trust the Lord and walk in his ways. Trust and obey, as the hymn says. That's what we're called to do. That's what Hezekiah was doing. That's what made him such a great king. If you want to be the kind of person that honors the Lord and whom the Lord himself would speak well of and say, that's my child. That that one's one of mine. Trust him. If you believe in Jesus, the Bible says you are a child of God. We're adopted into God's family. Confess him. Right? Jesus says those who deny him, he denies before his father, but if we confess him, right, if we trust him, if we own him, he won't deny us. He will confess us before his father in heaven. So let's listen to, let's trust him, listen to his word, and walk in his ways. May the Lord bless us and keep us. Amen.